Proverbs 13 and verse 20. Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. I read a quote this week that said, you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. I'll just throw that out there. You can chew on that a little bit. You are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. Do you think that's true or, or not? Do you, do you think there's uh, any merit to that? Um, that's a big claim. Um, another says, show me who you hang around with and I'll show you your future. That was another quote I came up with. Show me those who you hang around with and I'll show you your future. Well, whatever you think about those quotes, the Bible does speak a great deal. And in fact, it calls us to sing about and fix in our minds the idea of our associations. Those whom we choose to call our friends. Now, we can't choose our family. Our family is our family. But uh, we, we can choose those with whom we associate. Those who we allow to influence us. Uh, one commentator, Derek Kidner, who wrote that amazing little commentary on Proverbs that I spoke about a few weeks ago, calls this verse education by friendship. Education by friendship. And... Uh, Few people have more influence on us than our friends. And uh, that starts uh, when we're very young and it goes to uh, late in life. And we're, people are always coming in and out of our lives. We're always letting people influence us. Sometimes there will be seasons where people will be a part of our lives. Maybe in our uh, uh, high school years, then we get into university, we might get a whole new set of friends. And then we graduate, we go into uh, work somewhere, we get a whole other set of friends. Uh, but through that, for the people of God, church is to be, whether you're young or uh, uh, a young adult or uh, older, middle-aged or uh, on in years, uh, we are always supposed to be finding our uh, closest associations with the people that uh, share the same goals and missions as we do. And the, the, the difference between wisdom and foolishness in, in the book of Proverbs is not just kind of teaching from a book. It's not just kind of sitting down and saying this is what the Bible says, but it's the relationships that we form with people uh, in church and outside of church. The people that we allow to get closest to us. This was true of Jesus, wasn't it? He had a group of 12. Uh, he had an inner group of people. Uh, Peter, James, and John. And then there was the disciple whom he loved. Uh, even within that group of three. That he was particularly close to. And so Jesus valued friendship. He leaned upon his friends, especially in the Garden of Gethsemane, where he calls Peter, James, and John. There, again, there's that inner circle. He says, come and pray with me. Uh, he 
he was affected by them. Uh, he, was, he could be encouraged by them. He could be grieved by them. But even for our Lord Jesus Christ, uh, relationships were important. Another person has said that wisdom and foolishness are simply not, uh, uh, are not simply taught, but caught. In other words, it's we pick wisdom or foolishness up from the people that we have around us. So that passage here, this verse, verse 20, challenges us to think about the people that are close to us. Now you might think, well, I'm late on in life to do that, but, late, uh, but like I said, there are seasons in our lives where people come and go and where we leave off certain friendships and we allow other people to begin to influence us uh, at another stage in our lives. That's just the way life is. And sometimes we'll go through many, many friends. And sometimes we'll have, uh, there will be certain people who will be friends all our lives. Uh, but whatever the case, uh, we are always being affected sometimes more powerfully, by uh, those friends than we are the Word of God. And so, what, uh, uh, what the... Yes, there we go. <laughs> I knew something was missing up here. Uh, what we need to do is form friends who imbibe the Word of God, who think about the Word of God, so that if we're not uh, uh, into the Word of God as much as we ought to, or if we're not if we're not learning by reading, that we're learning by example. And for that reason, we need to cultivate relationships that are solid in the Word of God. And we'll see why that is. Another person has said, and I'm, I'm going to be quoting quite a, quite a bit from different sources here tonight, but one person has said, friendship has done more than anything to enlarge or to warp the mind. To save or betray the soul. To bless or corrupt the life. How important then that we bring this choice uh, uh, to bear upon the work of our mind and give uh, the greatest care to it. Friendship has done more to enlarge or warp the mind, to save or betray the soul, to bless or corrupt the life. The Bible speaks a great deal of friendship. Proverbs speaks a great deal of friendship. The Psalms speak a great deal of friendship. The very first Psalm, for example, it talks about uh, godly associations. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law... He meditates day and night. So right from the beginning, we see this principle. So he says, whoever walks with the wise. And as you know by now, the, the idea of walking is not simply uh, uh, two people walking side by side. But it's a metaphor for all of life. It takes in conversations. It takes in mutual activities. It takes in uh, sharing mutual concerns and, and common visions for life. Uh, and uh, because of that, we are, are to associate with those who are wise. Uh, so, uh, so he says here, whoever walks with the wise becomes wise. 
friends to a large uh, uh, degree will determine the kind of person you become, whether you're wise or foolish. I remember one uh, uh, a great exercise we had with campers one time. Uh, it was a cabin discussion, and I said to the campers, think back, I mean, they were only young at that time, but they were still teenagers. They weren't like 9, 10, 11. They were like 15, 16-year-olds. And uh, I was saying to them, think back on the short life that you've lived and think about the people who have influenced you, good or bad, and how have they influenced you. And it was a, it, it was a conversation that I remember very well just to, to hear the young people talk about you know, parents or friends at school or whoever who made them left a lasting impression upon them. And that only stands to reason. If you're around people all the time, they are going to influence you. They're going to powerfully impact your life. They can inspire or they can discourage. They can lead astray or they can rebuke and challenge and keep you on the way in which you should go. And so, wisdom is not simply spoken, but it is lived out. It's a manner, it's the manner of life. You see, that's where wisdom really where the rubber meets the road, doesn't it? Because we've got knowledge. People can spout knowledge. People can share knowledge. But when you see your friend making a choice, making a sacrifice to do X, Y, Z, and profiting by it, you could say they're living out wisdom. I'm seeing the embodiment of that. And when we are around people like that, we're actually seeing what the effect is. So, Paul, uh, for example, says, I'm writing to you not to associate with anyone who bears the name brother. If he is guilty of sexual immorality, greed, or is an idolater, reviler, drunkard, swindler, not even to eat with such a one. And so Paul is uh, saying to the people that these things can be learned. Uh, he, He talks about uh, the, the corruption of people spoiling the whole uh, group. A little leaven, he says, works through the whole lump. And so, uh, wisdom is lived out. When, when Proverbs talks about wisdom, talks about the wise man, it talks about a doer. Not a talker. What, what I'm doing here tonight is talking I'm passing along information uh, uh, by the Spirit of God with, with the Spirit's help. But it's wisdom is then taking that and applying it then in our lives. And the Bible says it's he who walks with and lives out their Christian life with those who go out and do it. And you can see the effects of their choices in their lives. And the Bible says that's the kind of associations we are to have. Not simply listening to someone talk, but, but being around people who are in the habit of making biblical choices in their lives. How they spend their money. How they spend their time. How they choose their job or where to live or where, who to marry. All of these things. It's, it's associating yourself with those who act and live on a, in a biblical way. One commentator by the name of Thomas uh, said it this way, and I think it's very uh, powerful. He said, who are the wise men or women? 
Who are they? Are they people who have just lived life and uh, uh, you know have picked up a few things about spending money or uh, you know uh, where to live and so? No, he says they are those who aim at the highest end of existence. You can have people who are very wise in business, wise in other areas of life. But if they only see their life in terms of their business, or, or being a good farmer, or being a good carpenter, or these sorts of things, you know, he's wise in the way he handles a, a square, or a, a skill saw, or he knows how to build a house, he knows how to build it solid. If that's all to the extent to which his, his wisdom extends, that's not the kind of person that the Bible is talking about here. It's those whose aim is, uh, who aim at the highest end of existence. That is, to glorify God and to enjoy Him. To know what life is all about. And to then live your life according to that. He goes on, he says, What is the highest end? Not wealth, not pleasure, or fame... The highest end of man is eternal perfection of character. Spiritual assimilation to God's perfection. In other words, it's becoming more like Jesus. That's the highest goal. That's the, the wise person that Proverbs is talking about here. Who are the wise men but those who employ the means to reach that end. The wise are those who use the best means of reaching the best ends. And that is to know God and to become like Jesus. And the Bible then is calling us because that is our our own calling. That is the calling of everyone here tonight. That we fix our mind and our, our focus on gathering with people of like mind as we do here tonight. As we do in Bible study. As we share our lives together. We are sharing in common goals. That's why it's so important to meet together. As writer of Proverbs says, or uh, Hebrews do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together, not only because God wants to be worshipped in church, but the, 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 the body of the church has so much to give, to share our wisdom, to be able to impact one another's lives, because we are uh, 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 using the best means to, uh, to secure, as he says here, that end. And then he goes on. What are the best means to secure this eternal perfection of being? So you say, well, I'm going to hang around people who use the best means to get to that end. Well, what are those means? Not external moralities. Not simply being a good person. Or ritualistic observances that we may engage in in church. Well, I was baptized. I go to the Lord's Supper. I go to. No, he says the gospel is that power. The gospel is that end. 
just as we were seeing this morning where Jesus is calling the church of Ephesus back to their first love. And where does that start? But with the person and work of Christ on the cross. To know Him. To know Him in His work as Savior on that cross. The Gospel is the power. The Gospel is the means. And so that the wise men are those who devote themselves, devote the best time in the employment of those means. In other words, this person is saying, are they got lovers of the Gospel? Are they giving themselves over to the Gospel on a regular basis? Those, see, it's narrowing it down. The Bible is chipping away at worldly wisdom in terms of employment, in terms of how to manipulate the environment around you, how to build this or uh, 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 you know, fulfill this scheme. No, it's saying the whys that the Bible is talking about are those things that pertain to our salvation. And the person that you need to get alongside is that person who's going to help you in toward those ends. To form godly relationships. If relationships impact us so powerfully, then we are to be seeking out, we are to be desiring, we are to be treasuring these things above all else. It's those who hear God's Word and do it. You see them do it. They're not just talkers about doing it. You see them making the sacrifices. You see the results. You see the joy. You see the peace. You see the resolve. You see as their lives go on, they're more determined to follow Christ. They, 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 eternal life gets a greater grip on their minds. Where is that coming from? It's coming from hearing the Word and doing it. Even if it costs them. And sometimes you will look at a wise person and you'll see it costing them to be faithful to the Word in the choices that they make. And you say, that's a wise person. I want to be a friend with that person. I see out of their love for Jesus, their love for souls, their, uh, their desire to protect what they have, they're willing to shed friends at certain times. They're willing to, sh to give up uh, position and give up uh, uh, certain things in their lives in order to keep what they have. And that's the kind of person the Bible says I need to be a part of and company with. So Jesus says in Matthew 7 that a wise man is one who hears the Word and does it. And so we ask ourselves those questions. Do my closest friends, are they ones who I could say, love the Lord Jesus? Are these my closest friends? Now we all have associates. We all have people that we know at work or know at school or at wherever we are in the common everyday run of life. But there are friends that we have as close friends in our lives. Are these people, the friends that you get together with, that you say, oh, well, let's get together on Friday or let's, get, let's go for who you really treasure their friendship and you allow them to speak into your life and they allow you to speak into their lives, are they those who love Jesus? Are they in the regular habit of applying God's Word 
to their lives. He who walks with the wise becomes wise. So we can think of many people. We can think of parents. And that's obviously the first uh, port of call in this uh, whole uh, book of Proverbs, isn't it? My son, hear your father's instruction and forsake not your mother's teaching. For they are a graceful garland to your head and pendants for your neck. Even in this chapter at the beginning, a wise son hears his father's instruction, but a scoffer does not listen to rebuke. So obviously parents are the first port of call when we think of walking with the wise. But in this, our attention is drawn in a broader way. We can think of other friends. In Psalm 119, verse 63, I am a companion of all those who fear you. Imagine singing about that. and sing, Writing that down. Think about the first person, the, the, the psalmist, when he wrote that. And think about you when you're writing a, a religious song. If you're writing a song of praise. And writing that, I am... And, and, and it's something that he delights in. It's something he's excited about. I am a friend of all those who love you, Lord. The friends that I want close to me are the ones that love and know you. That's what meant so much to him. Proverbs, or, uh, rather, Psalm 16 is a psalm that we think about a lot when it comes to uh, talking about the resurrection. But the psalmist also there, uh, he, he talks about the joy that he has in other saints. As for the saints in the land. In other words, fellow believers. They are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. How important then was friendship for the ancient believer? And how important that remains today. The world is completely different, but the world is in many ways the same as it was then. Friendships and associations impact us just as much today as they did then. Who are we allowing then to speak into our lives? Who are we allowing to shape and mold us in that way? Malachi, it tells us in chapter 3 and verse 16, those who feared the Lord spoke to one another. And the Lord wrote a book of remembrance with their names. But listen to those words. Then those who feared the Lord spoke to one another. In other words, there was a company of people in Malachi's day who said, it's no use to serve God. And by their example, they were going to the sheep pen. They would grab the sick sheep, the sheep that had cuts and bruises on it, and said, this is good enough. Take that to the temple. They were fools. God was angry. God became wrathful in that book of Malachi. He says, you're robbing me. You're dishonoring me. He said, this is the way you're living. But then there was another company of people who were close associates and they were encouraging one another. Then those who feared the Lord spoke to one another. That is the greatest expression of friendship. To have someone 
who will not just sit around and complain about the church, complain about people, complain about the state of the world and say the world is going to hell in a handbasket and all these things, but will mutually encourage one another in the Lord. Isn't Jesus wonderful? Doesn't He love us so much? Isn't His grace wonderful? Hasn't He forgiven us a great deal? What a hope that is set before us. These are the kinds of conversations. And so there was a company in Malachi's day who were saying those things. He is worthy of our best. And so there was a group of people who said, no, let's find the best sheep in the pen and bring that to the Lord. And they wouldn't be satisfied with anything else. So we have parents, we have friends, we have people in the church. It tells us in the book of Acts, early on, of the company of believers that arose. And it said they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayers. They devoted themselves. And so, to walk with the wise is to walk with people who share the same goals as you do. You might not be the same person in terms of your personal chemistry with that person. But you can learn a lot from people who are different from you. We may feel that we're very much on the same wavelength as many of our secular friends. They share the same interests, same music, same sports, same this, same that, same clothes. They may talk the same. Lots of fun to be around. And yet you have to ask this most important question. Do they and will they, as friends, influence me for bad or for good? That's where the church comes in. And again, like I said, we will have many associations out there. There will be people that we have to work closely with at work and who may affect us in certain ways, some positively, some negatively. But if we have church in our lives, if we have Bible study on Tuesday night, if we have prayer meeting on Saturday morning, if we have church as we do here uh, twice a day on Sunday, how that can mitigate against the effects of what we may find through our close associations in the world. Maybe there are thoughts on where our country is going and what's going on socially in the world and they're influencing you. They're saying, well, this is what you believe in your church. Well, I believe something different. I believe X, Y, Z. And they may be arguing very powerfully for assisted suicide or uh, Pride Month or uh, any other number of so uh, social subjects that we talk about. And you begin to feel weird, weighed down and you begin to hear the, the, the sense maybe in their arguments. And there's the danger maybe of these close associations Maybe not friends, but people that you have to work closely with and they're leading you down maybe a dark path. But if you're able to keep church and the, the, the other associations that God has given you in the body of Christ as particular uh, 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 and present people in your lives, that will go a long way in... Uh, as I said, mitigating against those the, the damage that may be done otherwise. And of course, the Bible speaks of marriage in that same way. 
he who walks with the wise becomes wise. And so that for a young man or a young woman choosing a partner in life, for whom the things of God are important to them, that they be seeking out someone for whom it is important as well. Because no one is going to affect us either for good or bad more than those whom we are married to. And so uh, we are to look for ones who, are, uh, who share our same goals and visions. That's where the, the Word of God then begins to separate and say, uh, you, know, you may uh, feel drawn in this direction, but you say, does, you ask yourself those same questions. Is this person in love with Jesus first and foremost? Are they in the habit of making life decisions based on the Word of God? And those are the questions that you ask when it comes to church, when it comes to friendships, when it comes to marriage, when it comes to all of these different areas of life. So he who walks with the wise becomes wise. There's such a strong tie there, isn't there? It's hardly a shadow of doubt. That if you walk, and again, again, it's not just in and out. It's not just coming to church and you know sitting for an hour and out. You never see them until next Sunday. But it's forming Christian friendships. It's walking with people who are your age or who may be older. And that's great to be in a church where there's intergenerational integration. That means that where everybody, young and old, we're able to stand around and talk and for young people to hear those conversations, hearing wisdom being shared among adults. He who walks with the wise, he whose life is intimately bound up with other people who are wise, they will become wise. It also begs the question as well, what kind of people are we? Would people say the same about us? Uh, would people say, that's a person that I need to walk with? That that's a person who regulates their lives by the Word of God? That's a person who's ready to suffer for the Kingdom of God? That's a person who's ready to humble themselves for the Kingdom of God? Can that be said of us? The psalmist again said, let those who fear you turn to me that they may know your testimonies. Isn't that a great verse? Let those who fear you, let those who know you, turn to Me that they may know your testimonies. In other words, Lord, let Me live in such a way that My life will be the embodiment of wisdom. That people might be able to walk with Me and become wise. That Not just Me looking for other wise people but that I might live in such a way as to be a light to young people, to my family, to my friends in church, that they may see that there is an active putting into practice of the Word of God in my life. He who walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. Companion of fools will suffer harm. Paul says, do not be deceived. Evil communication corrupts good manners. Paul says, he, he, he is speaking with the same kind of uh, 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 
dogmatism as the writer of Proverbs is here saying, if you walk with the wise, you will become wise. Paul is saying, do not be deceived. Let's be clear about this one thing, that evil com uh, 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 communications corrupts good manners. If you allow evil input into your life on a constant basis, you will lose, in other words, Paul is saying, your good manners. You can think of many examples of this in the Bible. You can think of Rehoboam, uh, Solomon's son. You remember, uh, after Solomon died, Rehoboam became king. And uh, uh, these uh, men came to him and said, you know, uh, your father Solomon uh, was hard on us. Now, we, we want a little reprieve. You need to... to uh, to uh, go a little easy on us. And what does uh, Rehoboam do? But he goes to his, his young friends who were know-nothings. They don't fear the Lord. They don't care about God's Word. So they say to Rehoboam, oh, you're my father Solomon. This is what you're to tell them. My father Solomon, uh, uh, he, he, he scourged you with, uh, with whips. I will scourge you with scorpions. I'll be really hard on you. They weren't godly. They weren't a godly influence. And what ended up happening was that the kingdom was divided. This morning we spoke of Paul and the Galatians and how legalism had gotten into the church and had caused them to lose their first love when it came to Christ. Lose their joy. Lose their assurance. All that went out the window when legalism took over. Paul asked this question. You were running the race so well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion is not from Him who calls you. In other words, your associations, your ungodly, unwise associations have led you away from Christ. Now these might not have been people with long, scowly faces and long, uh, you know, uh, they're, 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 they're uh, Faces, faces drawn and angry and, and uh, miserable looking. These may have been very cheerful people. Sometimes that's the way it is. The false religion comes across in very cheerful ways. People you'd like to go out to coffee with. People who seem very easy to get along with. And nevertheless, they were influencing the Galatians away from Christ. This persuasion, he says, does not come from Him who calls you. Friends can lead us away from the Gospel. As was the case in so many examples in the Bible. So Paul prompts them to ask that question, who is persuading you to believe this? Who is leading you down, in other words, this garden path? Are you ready to take a good look then at the associations in your life? The people that you allow to impact you and affect you that way? Are you willing even to put your friendships on the altar, as we might say, and say, Lord, here are my friendships, here are my associations. And Lord, where are these taking me? Yes, I share a lot of interests with them. There's a lot I have in common with them. But Lord, where ultimately will these friendships lead me? And Lord, are there people in my church 
that I ought to be forging closer relationships with. Because I know that you say in your word that to be a companion with those who fear you, are those, those are the best friendships. And so, that's what it is to take up our cross sometimes and follow Jesus. It's saying no to certain relationships and it's pursuing others that will impact us for good. Where we can share our faith. Where we can uh, be open to friends who will challenge us. And even rebuke us. That's what true friendship is. It's not somebody who's ready to rubber stamp everything you say and do, but someone who's willing to challenge you. And people that you can learn from. Say, that here's a person worth following and getting to know. This is what happened with Jesus and His disciples, wasn't it? A disciple was somebody who ate and drank and listened and watched how the person lived. For three years, the disciples were able to see how Jesus dealt with situations. A woman taken in adultery, thrown at the feet of Jesus. What's He going to do? They saw Him deal with that. They saw Him deal with the, the scribes and the Pharisees and how He used the Word of God. They saw Him ultimately then for the sake of fulfilling the Word, going to the cross, dying and rising again. They saw wisdom. The wisdom of God. Right before their eyes. Didn't they? They saw it lived out. See, He doesn't just have wisdom. He is the wisdom of God. We saw it with our own eyes. We saw God justify the wicked by putting our sins on Him. On that man whom we called our friend and we followed Him, we listened to Him. We gave up all. We forsook all to follow Him. And now, we see the wisdom of God embodied in that man by now, through His life and death, we are saved. But it came with forming first that close association with Jesus. They listened. They stumbled at times. But they listened and ultimately overcame. And their souls were saved. They triumphed because they walked with Jesus. And ultimately, that is the greatest friend. Friends is a very important matter. Choosing who we are walking with, whether it is older people, younger people, whether whoever it may be, the Bible says that he who walks with the wise becomes wise. And so it is so important for us to pray about that, to bring it to God and say, Lord, I may not have those kinds of friends in my life. I may, I may not. Have, it may be just people that I see every so often at church, but I don't have any close Christian friends. And it may be a, a time where it, God convicts you of that and say, "Okay, you know, now is the time." You may have lots of friends at work. How are they influencing you? Well, they're not so good. Well, isn't it time to get close with someone who knows Jesus to develop a relationship with that person? It might not be somebody in your own church. It may be somebody in another church. It may be another Christian somewhere that you may feel more comfortable with. But still, you are developing those relationships in order to keep yourself accountable, to be growing in the thing which is most important. Not finances, not pleasures, but in 
the things of your soul. What does it profit a man if he should gain the world and lose his soul? So get with people for whom that too is the ultimate priority. So it's not whether people will influence us, but it's what, in what way they will influence us. And may God give us the grace to bring even this before Him in prayer. Well, let's pray. Lord, 